Welcome to the Midlands Young Life Podcast. Here, we hope to post talks from our leaderships, leader weekends, and much, much more. I hope these talks will encourage you to grow deeper in your faith with Christ and make Him known in your community. Thanks for joining us. Today, we are hearing from Talk 1 of 4 from Pat Goodman as he addresses our leadership from the 2020 Leader Weekend. Pat is from Baltimore, Maryland, where he's been on staff with Young Life for over 40 years. So whether you're driving, going for a run, or just walking to class, we hope you enjoy this message from our friend, Pat Goodman. Hey, listen, give yourselves a round of applause. You made it. This is really good that we're together. My goodness. Wow. You know, the last time I think I was down this way was with Jason, and I don't know how many years ago that was, Jason. That was a while. And I just uh, saw Zach again, and I met uh, a guy... Uh, just a little while ago, Luke was here. Just said hello. So, Luke, good to see you again. Thank you. And um, let me just tell you something. In a room this size, when uh, Alex asked Betsy and I to come, I wanted to tell you this. You know, these kind of opportunities are money for me. Let me tell you why. I am literally, I'm certain of this, that I'm playing the back nine in my life. You know what I mean by that? I'm not going to get a chance to double this thing again. And I, I really don't know. In fact, I mean, it, we, we don't know how long every one of us is going to live, quite frankly. Um, I could outlive some of you. I don't know. We don't know what life will bring, right? But I, if, if I were to just play it out normal, I could say this. I'm in a window of my life where I'm really considering, what do I do with my time? And does it matter? And so this matters to me. And I want to tell you why it matters. Because people like you, and I'm not just saying this, you are living for something. And I'm trusting if you get what we're gonna talk about this weekend correct, this world, at least the parts you get to touch, will literally have a chance to be different because you're in this world. So this is a high stakes weekend. We're gonna have a blast. But I pray to Almighty God that when you leave you will sense more hope for your life. There'll be a sense of just exuberance that, man, I get to do this thing, that, I, that I'm a part of something that's going on that's even bigger than me, that I get to be a part of. And if that interests you, I, I'm thrilled. And I, I also know this, some of us this weekend are doing phenomenally well. In a room this size, some of us not so much. And I just want to say to those of you that maybe you're feeling that, it's okay. That you would just take a deep breath and just trust that maybe God wants to touch you in that place to bring a sense of healing and hope and encouragement that maybe might knock you upside the head in a good way. Are we okay with that? So let's, let's make this weekend count. Can we do that? All right. So let me ask you guys as we begin. Um, how many of you guys feel like desire is a powerful thing in your life? Anybody? You know, desire that, you know, it's been said, James K. Smith even said this, that your life and my life is going to be defined most by what we desire or love the most. It's a profoundly powerful thing. So let me prove it to you. How many of you in this room, and I'll go first, have actually done something that you knew was absolutely wrong before you ever did it, but you did it anyway. Anybody in this room do this? Okay, now look around the room, keep your hands up. No, think about this for a second. Every one of us in this room is basically saying this, I absolutely did something. 
that I knew if I did it, probably wasn't going to turn out very well. But I did it anyway. So why would we do something that we know, know is wrong, but we do it anyway? Why would we do that? Any answers? Because you what? Because you want to. It's not rocket science, because you desire it. Desire is really powerful. And we're going to learn this weekend more and more that it's not going away. It's here to stay. Uh, I have the privilege in Baltimore of working with a group of guys that are part of this thing called the Helping Up Mission. And on Tuesdays, on most Tuesdays, I go down to the Helping Up Mission. I'll move this in just a minute. Uh, Alex, let me run that clip. But I go down, it's a, it's a facility that houses 350 men who've blown their lives up with drugs and alcohol. And some of them have been on the streets since they were like 12, 13. Other guys have had professional jobs doing different things, but started on painkillers for whatever reasons. You know, one thing leads to another before they know. I mean, they've literally blown their lives up, their families up, relationship with their kids up. It's a mess. So one Tuesday, I've been down there about four and a half years, every Tuesday on and off. And I went down there, um, I was there one week, and I asked these guys, I said, hey, uh, let me ask you something. I said, uh, what got you in here? And they go, they looked at me like, what? I said, yeah, this is a drug rehab place, drug and alcohol. And so I'm asking a group of guys that are struggling with this, what got you in here? And they're looking at me like, you're an idiot. They said, well, what do you mean? I said, just what I said. I said, what got you in here? And they said, uh, well, drugs and alcohol, and I'm just listening, crazy relationships. These guys are all men, they go, women, bad decisions. They're going on and on and on and on. And I said, what would you say if I told you I don't think that's what got you in here? And they looked at me like, what? I said, no, tell me what got you in here? And they said, look, dude, excuse me, uh, we told you. Drugs, alcohol, crazy things, they just made a list. And I said, I don't think that's what got you in here. I said, let me change the question. I asked you what got you in here, and you asked me what you, you told me what you did. I didn't ask you what you did. I asked you what got you in here, so let me change the question. What did you want? when you did the things that you did? Different question, right? And here's what they said. I wanted love, I wanted acceptance, I wanted a place to belong, I wanted some relief, I wanted peace of mind. They listed all these incredibly positive things. And I said, isn't this crazy? Could it be possible that what got you in here were good things that you're hardwired to want, but you went to a crazy place to get because somebody told you, sold you a bag of goods to go to a crazy place to get a good thing. One guy in the back of the room went, shit. It's like, damn, I spent my whole life, you're telling me that I was doing crazy ass stuff? I'm just, these are guys are real. You guys can handle this. If you can't, you probably ought to get out of young life. <laughs> or I'd say you're not hanging out with the right kids. <laughs> but he goes like, me, me, I'm doing like crazy ass stuff. Because deep down in my heart, you're telling me I want things that are good, but I'm going to a crazy place to find it? I went, yeah. I go, dude, makes a lot of sense. And we're gonna show you why tomorrow. This is true for all of us. But this is important because desire is here to stay. There's something in scripture. Hold on, let me get this thing straight. This thing is absolutely driving me crazy. Could you guys hear me in the back if I didn't use it? You could? Can you, can you hear me in the back? Good, because I, I just want to, uh, here, I'm going to give this big. We'll work on it for tomorrow, okay? Good, get that thing out of here. <laughs> so there's something in the scriptures that's very, very important. Um, 
uh, that's called wisdom. You guys may have heard of that word. It comes from Proverbs. It's a great book. It's the theme of the book of Proverbs. In fact, if you look at Proverbs chapter 8, wisdom is speaking in the first person in the voice of a woman, and it basically says this, for God created me before he made anything else. It wasn't like it was a crapshoot where God said, okay, let's just see what we can do. Let's just make something. No, no, no. Wisdom speaking, it says, God made me before he made the heavens and the sky and all the stars that hang in it. God made me before the mountains. And so the waves that come in would stop at a certain place and God made me. And it was just this beautiful display that it wasn't haphazard. It was very, very intentional. And then at the end of uh, Proverbs 8, verse 31 says this, speaking, wisdom speaking, whoever finds me finds life and receives favor from the Lord. But whoever doesn't find me harms himself. Get this, but whoever hates me loves death. Now the question is, what's wisdom? Here's what wisdom is. Wisdom is the way God hardwired reality or life to function. And when somebody's wise, I'll make more sense of this in a minute, they literally are just conforming to reality. They're just going with the flow. If I had a piece of wood here right now and I was going with the grain, it would be what? Smooth. That's wisdom. You find the grain, you go with the grain. You're free to go against the grain. And what do you get when you go against the grain? That's called splinters. That's in the book of Proverbs, would be a fool. <laughs> we don't have time to go into it, but there's basically four types of fools. They're not all the same. In our language, we have one, like, man, you fool. If you were Hebrew in the first century, they'd go, what kind are you talking about? Because there are different kinds. There really were. And maybe we'll get to that in a little bit too, but I just want you to hear this. Wisdom basically says that somebody that's wise looks at how things have been created to function and then conforms to it, because they say this, Reality, when you go with the flow, it, you're blessed. Another way to say it is somebody who's wise is actually skilled at living. They're skilled at living. Now, here's what the scriptures say. The fear of God is the what of wisdom? The beginning. You're not even going to begin to know how to tap into reality and how things were made to flourish if you ignore the one who actually created it and made it function. You're free to do whatever you want. You just can't get what you want by doing whatever you want as much as you think you can. You can knock yourself out. This is true relationally. It's true with money. It's true sexually. You're free to literally do whatever you want except you're not free to invent or change wisdom. It's in the water. And one of the beautiful things of the scripture is this, is that they declare that you and I have been hardwired to actually want the most, the one who wants us the most. I want to show you a little clip, and I want to process it with you before we look at a passage tonight that has been life-changing for me. And if it could be just a little bit of this for you, I would feel, man, it would be so worth it. But I, I just want to say this one more time, this profound thing of what we want. Have you ever considered for a minute, where does desire come from? Because it's powerful, isn't it? Any of you guys want to eat today? Does it ever drive you? Do you ever wanted a relationship? We'll be very vulnerable, so we're gonna talk about this tomorrow. 
Do you ever sense your sexual desire? What do you do with that? What do you do with the things out of your soul? It's like, hey God, like where did this thing of desire come from? Did you just put it in us to drive us crazy? Or like, what's up with that? I want to show you this little clip and I wanted to show it, say something to you before I um, show it. This is uh, something I found a while ago of a professional glass blower. It's only about two minutes, but what I want you to notice is this. When this thing starts, notice that this guy puts a shovel into a large container of busted up glass that you would think is absolutely good for nothing, okay? And see what it becomes, all right? Enjoy. Let me ask you, what do you think of that, huh? Not bad, right? So let me, let me ask you this question. What had to be true for that master craftsman to make that? What had to be true before he could make that? I'm gonna make you think for a minute. What did he have to see before he made it? Did he have to see it before he made it? Did he have to imagine it before he made it? Let me ask you this, then what else did he have to do? He actually had to what? Don't make it too complicated. He had to have the desire to make it. I want you to think about this. Do you ever think that what the Father and the Son and the Spirit were experiencing together was so rich, so beyond what we would ever imagine in splendor and in beauty? You know, the scriptures say God's a lot of things, but one of the things it says he is is love. And one of the things love does is it expands the circle. It's not short. It doesn't feel like, man, if we include somebody else in this, there's not going to be enough to go around. I've got three kids, and I'm telling you, after you have one, you think, man, we have enough to go to the next one. You have two, and it's like, dang, gone. there's plenty of love for the second one. Then you have another one. It's like, dang, there's plenty of love for three of them. You don't run out of it. Imagine that God created us, not because he had to, but because he wanted to. He actually imagined us and then created us in a way that we can begin to take in all that he is. Because the scriptures tell us that we're made in his image. And if God Almighty is a God who wants and desires and we're the result of that, then how in the world do you think we're going to live without desiring? We're not. But what we we're going to learn a little bit tomorrow is this. Desire is here to stay. But if its direction can get tilted or bent or broken, it can cause craziness, can it? Have any of you ever been hungry and overeaten? How do you feel? I feel like you want to puke. We live in a country where people have sexual desire. And we have 27 million people being trafficked worldwide. It's crazy. But here's what's so profound. Jesus knew this, and he got at this. So if you have your Bibles for a few minutes, let's turn to John chapter 15. Because one of the things that Jesus does is he gets at this beautiful thing called wisdom and desire in this passage of John 15 by demonstrating that being rightly connected, that connection to the right one in the right way is everything in life. 
So here's what we hear what Jesus says this. Listen to these great words. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Well, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Now, you are already clean because of the words I've spoken to you. Now, remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Now, I am the vine, and you are the branches. He who remains in me, and I in him, will bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, and they're thrown into the fire and burned. But if you remain in me, you remain in me and my words remain in you. You can ask whatever you wish and my Father will give it to you. For see, this is to my Father's glory that you would bear much fruit showing yourselves to be my disciples. Get this next line. As the Father has loved me, Jesus said this, so have I loved you. Think about this. How much did the Father love the Son? A little? No. A lot? Understatement. Jesus said, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I kept my Father's commands and remained in his love. Now, I told you this so that my joy may be in you. Oof. And that your joy might be made full. Now, this is my command. Love one another as I loved you. For greater love, isn't this beautiful has no man than this, and he would lay down his life for his friends. And you are my friends. You see, everything I've learned from the Father, I've made known to you. You didn't choose me. I chose you. And I appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that should remain, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Now this is my command. Love one another. You know when Jesus spoke those words? Hours before he goes to the cross. Some have said that this is Jesus' farewell sermon. This is, in John's gospel, he has seven I am's that he says, this is the last one. You might have heard some of the other ones, like I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, I am the light, I am the good shepherd, I am the resurrection, I am the what? Bond. Last words matter. There's a young man named Dave Meeks who was in one of my Young Life Clubs years ago. I met Dave when he was 17, and I buried him when he was 35. I did his wedding when he was 27. His daughter, who was four at the time he died, just got married this past year. His son now is 21, is a Young Life leader at Christopher Newport University. Dave battled three years with a brain tumor, and his faith just grew and grew and grew and grew and grew. But I'll never forget this. Days before Dave died and his speech was going, a friend asked him, Dave, is there anything you want to say? Last words, they matter, right? You think anybody wanted to hear those words? I did. You want me to tell you what he said? Because it'll encourage you. This is what he said. He said, tell them. 
It's all real. He's ready to die. And he says, tell them. Tell people it's all real. This thing about Jesus, like, it's real. Last words matter. These are Jesus's, some of his last words, and he gives a picture. You think of this. If you were to draw a picture or give a, a, a message to somebody, say, okay, I'm going to give you a verbal picture, a metaphor to think about life the rest of your days. It's going to help you navigate life. Because remember, when he leaves, he comes back, and then after 40 days, he's gone. And he says, you guys are going to carry on what I've been doing. So I've got to give you a picture so you can remember who's who and what's what, right? They matter, don't they? Let me just throw up a couple of these for you. After good, I just wanted to put up some pictures for you of um, things like this, this, is a, this is a picture of connection, isn't it? You think this thing matters? Yeah, it does. Connection takes different shapes. Let's throw another one up there just for a minute. Look at that picture. What, what's that say to you? What kind of connection is that? What's that bring any feelings to mind? It's a good picture, isn't it? I guarantee you, that dad right there, he is savoring that moment. Because he knows he's going to release her to another guy. And he is praying that that man will love that woman as much as he has the whole time he's raised her. Let's put up another one. That was a pretty obvious one. But it's still connection, isn't it? Let's do another one. one we got two more. Look at that. Isn't that great? Just feel something about that, don't you, when you see that? Now, here's the thing Jesus said. I am the vine. Go ahead and put that one up. We'll leave it up. There you go. I've been to Israel. It's kind of interesting because when you go to Israel, if that gets distracting, you can take it down. I just want you to, to be able to see this. Right here. Here's what Jesus is saying. Let's just think of it. He's basically saying that I am this. I'm the vine. And you are the what? Branches, right? What is it? And here, if, and, and off the branches, you get what? That's what Jesus is saying. So here's what he's saying. Last words. He goes, look, I want you to remember something. I'm the vine. And you're the branches. This thing that I'm doing is going to go out into all the world. I want you to bear fruit, much fruit, more fruit, lasting fruit. And so here's what a lot of us do. We go, okay, I'm going to go. I'm going to go get it. I'm going to go bear fruit. Jesus goes, no, 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 no. No, 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 no. Stop. <laughs> I want you to bear fruit, but see, there's a way to bear fruit. And if you get it wrong, you're not going to bear any fruit. In this passage, Jesus is trying to say something else because he wants us to remember. And one of the things he's saying to us is there's nothing more important in life than your connection to him. Get this. Those verses that I shared with you all, 11 times is this word abide. Did you guys remember hearing that? Some of your Bibles might say remain. Some of your Bibles might say stay. Eleven times is the word abide. Now, it's in the present perfect tense. Now, I'll tell you what that means in a minute, but the word abide is an important word. The word fruit is mentioned eight times. Most people, when they read this passage, they think Jesus wants us to bear fruit. Now, let me ask you, does he want you to bear fruit? Yes. That's a whole other topic. What did he mean by that? But yes, he does. 
And so here's what we do. We think we're going to go bear fruit. I'm going to, I'm going to work harder for God. I'm going to bear fruit, man. I'm going to be productive. I'm going to go get it. I'm going to go to that high school, and I'm going to love those kids, and they're going to like me. <laughs> then you get back in your car, and you go, like, I've never felt that insecure all my flipping life. Dude, I've been there. Trust me. Like, I'm way older than you. Like, I, I, I could tell you some funny stories at the expense of kids. It's crazy. But here's the deal. Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. I want you to do this, but if you don't get this right, you're not going to bear fruit. Because, see, here's what we think if we get it wrong. It's about personality and how funny you are and charisma and looks. No, no, no. This thing is so much bigger. This is a spiritual battle, man. Like, this isn't just about that. It's going to take way more than that. This word abide means to stay connected to. It literally is this vision. If you can imagine, like in a home, like I have this beautiful little chair I have where I sit and I read a, a lamp chair. I have a little thing for I can have a cup of coffee. It's like Jesus is almost saying, just stay right there. Don't move. Stay home with me. Stay dependent upon me. Don't wander off thinking you can figure things out apart from me. This word, present perfect tense, literally means this. Do it now. 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 It's not like, have your quiet time. Come back tomorrow, have my quiet time. Come back tomorrow, have my quiet time. No, no, no. Do it now. Do it now. Do it now. Does this make sense? Yeah. This is, and he's saying this. What he's trying to say is this, this fruit comes from doing this, abide. It's Jesus, if you remain in me, I will remain in you. For apart from me, you can do what? I am the vine, you are the? He who remains in me, and I in him does what? How many of you want to bear fruit? How do you do it? Here's what most of you will say. We'll talk about this more. Try harder. How many of you gotten worn out with that? Okay, we're gonna talk more about this tomorrow, but I promise you, if a lot of us are honest, here's what we'd say to your high school friends and others. Hey, come and meet Jesus, and in two years, you will feel way worse about yourself than you do right now. You'll feel way more guilty about yourself. Because now we got, quote, follow God guilt on top of everything else. Because now, you don't read enough, right? Now you don't pray enough. And you love Jesus, and you just had some crazy thoughts go through your head. So you love Jesus, and you might be struggling with something that somebody, quote, that's supposed to love Jesus, shouldn't be struggling with, but I am. Or you might even go to a Bible study, and somebody says something, and in your mind, you're thinking this, if you're honest, dude, I don't know if I believe that. But you don't know whether you can say that. So you don't say that. But that doubt doesn't go away, does it? So here's what you do. You end up following a pseudo-Jesus that you think you're supposed to follow instead of believing that the real Jesus can handle whatever you bring because, see, he actually knows who he is. He is divine. And he knows who we are, and we are branches. And when we forget who he is, and we forget who we are, this thing gets really screwed up. But here's what I know. Here's what he's saying. Hey, look, I'm the vine. You're just a branch, which means this. 
everything I am as the vine, you as a branch have access to. A branch only exists to display what the vine wants to do. Here's what he's saying. It's not based on your power. You know, a branch doesn't sit out there even in agriculture and go like, oh man, I gotta produce something. Mm. <laughs> no. It literally, if it's connected, what the vine is will express itself in the branch. The key is stay connected. The emphasis is on your relationship with the one who alone is worthy of our life. And then get this, he just wants to live his life through us. This is like Paul said in Colossians 1.27, it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. How many of us ever imagined that Jesus Christ is literally walking around your body and on the campus, in the classrooms, in the high schools, in the communities where you're walking around? That's what he's saying. He is life. If we keep this thing going, this will have no trouble being and doing what it wants. This is why God doesn't always need talented people to get done what he wants to get done. He needs dependent people who are willing to live by faith and take steps. This is huge. Because here's what we're doing, you guys. We're not following a Jesus where he's like a pizza pie. Like he gets like part of my life and I got a school part and a workout part and a, you know, a family part. No, 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 no. Jesus is just saying, look, I am the center. Everything else comes out from me. Here's what's so tragic. When you and I come to faith, at least it was for me, when I first came to faith, it was all about him. And within a short period of time, it slowly turns around and becomes all about me and what I'm doing, and how well I'm doing it, and whether I'm doing it or not. And they're better than me. They're smarter than me. They're, gee, they're more godly than me, whatever that's supposed to mean. Jesus said, well, you know, you're asking the wrong question. The question is, are you abiding? Are you staying? And here's why it's important. I can't tell you that people have said, yeah, I, I'm giving my life to Christ. Now I have to learn how to, uh, you know, kind of integrate Jesus into my life. I'd be like, say that one more time. Well, yeah, I was living without him, and I haven't been following that, lo that long, so now i got to learn how to integrate him into my life. I'd go like, whoa, 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 let's just talk about this. Time out. He's the creator of all things. Paul says it this way. Jesus Christ is the visible expression of the invisible God. By him, all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, get this, all things were made by him and for him. And you're telling me you're going to try to integrate the creator into your life? He's already here. It's not about integrating him in. It's allowing him to actually help you. And he wants to explain life to you. The vine wants to explain how it works to you. Explain how to really see yourself so you live in wisdom and flourish. Explain relationships to you so you know how to, how to actually have them. Explain sexual desire so it doesn't wipe you out, but you can actually benefit from it. Explain to you the reality of money and how it can be something that blesses and doesn't totally facilitate a life of, of just total chaos, thinking you want more from it than it can actually get. I could go on and on and on and on. Jesus, they're in a secular life and a sacred life. 
there's a life. What makes something secular is its direction. Meaning this, you don't think there's any godly, sacred teachers in the public school system? There are, aren't there? You think there's nothing, quote, secular in this thing called the church sometimes? There is. Here's what's so powerful, you guys. If you can begin to understand this, it's profound. I'll say one more thought, and then we'll stop for tonight. You guys still with me for a minute? This is a true thing. You can look it up. Where the vines and the branches come together, I have to watch how I say this. There are these little plants or little snippets that grow, and they're called sucker shoots, just like it sounds. Sucker. S-U-C-K-E-R shoots. Here's what they do. They literally try to rob what goes from the vine into the branch and divert it so it never gets to where it needs to be, hence killing the branch. We have these in Scripture. They're called, you want to hear some of them? Deceitfulness of riches. The worries of this world. The lust of the eyes. The lust of the flesh. Not the flesh, just desire gone crazy. These things are things that take us out. You guys, I wish I could tell you that every one of you, if we were to come back in 10 years and everybody was still alive, that you all would say, hey, come on, you guys want to do that reunion from 2020 Savannah Leadership Weekend? You guys all want to come back? It, I just want to tell you, there'd be some of you in this room and go like, no, nah, I'm not into that anymore. I'm out. I'm not doing that anymore. Uh, you know, it was good. I'm just not doing that anymore. You go, how can you say that? Well, I, I'm, I would love everybody. I'm just saying it. I just know people fall off the faith train. You know why? Life happens. You know when you're going to really find out what you believe most about God, some of us? Wait till something happens in your life that you never thought would happen because you believe in God. You know, we've lost a son. We almost lost one of our daughters at 18 years old. Literally, we're told if anybody was going to die in the hospital over the next 24 hours, it was her. You got to sign up. Are you in or out? Worries of this world? But see, here's what Jesus said. In this world, you're going to have trouble. I'm not going to lie to you. You are. But see, I've overcome the world. So either you're going to live this world acting like you're something you're not, or you're going to stay close to this vine and know, listen, Lord, I'm hanging on for all I'm worth. So let me end with this because we've gone long enough tonight. It's worthy for you to at least ask. If, if Jesus is telling us that we need to abide, what's the thing that you'd like to ask right now is what? How do you do it? See, and it'd be nice to give you 10 things, but here's what I know. I'll give you a couple. Number one is, do you believe he's right? Here's what I know. When you trust that this is right, you, in a sense, will do what it takes to stay connected. And I don't think in some way somebody has to tell you that what it is. You know, Betsy and I have been married for 42 years. I have not always known and always gotten it right, but I can tell you this. I did not have to read books to tell me how to love my wife. They helped some, but I, quite frankly, I should care enough about her to figure it out and to tend to it and to ask her. If I got to have a book tell me to do it, and again, I'm all for learning new things. I get that, but all I'm saying is, in my heart, I can read a book and still not do it if I don't what? Want to. 
But when we learn to want the most, the one who wants us the most, it works. And when you know you're wanted, you wouldn't exist if he didn't want you. And he imagined you. And he created you. And you know, he said, just stay close to me, disciples, because this thing is going to demand more than any of us have. All of us. It's a team effort. So I guess the question is, do you believe him? And then I think the second thing would do, you know, when you value something, you tend to it. Right? You tend to it. So how do you tend to this relationship? I, I, I don't know. Like, for me, I spend time in the scriptures. That's very helpful to me. I do it, try to do it regularly, daily. If I miss one day, am I a bad guy? No. But I, I take time to engage. I do things that push my faith and cause me to risk a little bit. I could give you 10 more. You don't need a list, but let me give you one other, one last one. That you, that you really right now put a stake in the ground and ask yourself, are you willing to obey God when what you sense he's asking of you is going against what you, quote, want to do? That maybe this time I'm not going to go do that thing that I want to do, <laughs> that I'm going to act and say, Lord, I'm going to trust you because everything in me wants to go right, and you're telling me left. Do you dare, are you willing to obey the Lord in those areas of life and thinking that are hard to do? But you're saying, Lord, I trust that if this thing's going to work, it's going to work because I stay put. Does this make sense, you guys? Okay. We're going to get into some fun stuff this weekend. I'm so honored to be here. You guys are amazing. I think this is a gift to me. Thanks so much for listening to the Midlands Young Life Podcast. If you enjoyed this talk, share it with a friend. Leave us a review. This helps other leaders find us and get access to all this awesome resources. Thanks so much.